We're often told as professionals in America that the lives we're living are normal, that it's normal to commute an hour or more back and forth to our jobs, that two weeks of vacation time is so good, and that the stresses of work that we shoulder should absolutely be tolerated. In reflecting on almost six years of self-employment and entrepreneurship, I've actually come to realize that slow fire in particular for people of color has several unexpected and very different benefits that I just, I didn't realize until years later. Slow fire allows people to take control over large aspects of their current lives that we wouldn't necessarily have control over while people are referring to us as human capital stock. That's what economists and a lot of employers refer to the people that work for them versus citizens. <laughs> I've mentioned that before. In a country that remains really committed to saying no to all the policies that would create a much more humane, basic standard of living, slow fire is a way to circumvent those dehumanizing policies and take control of your life. In this episode, I'm going to share my definition of slow fire, why it's a much easier threshold to meet, and how it enables people, in particular people of color, to take back control of their lives now versus five, six, seven years of extreme punery. I believe that's the word. I don't want to wait seven years. I want to live my best life starting now. And so I thought it would be helpful to share my thoughts on why slow fire is really at the heart of it, establishing social equity and why fire in its purest form is the complete opposite. In order to go to the show notes, you're going to go to michelleismoneyhungry.com backslash black people and slow fire. Again, that's michelleismoneyhungry.com backslash black people and slow fire. This is part of my Black History Month content, so please do enjoy. publicity in the last, you know, like eight to 10 years. But honestly, this notion of taking control and changing one's life isn't a new one. In fact, Thoreau shared his version in his book, Walden and on Civil Disobedience. There's always been a group of people out there who didn't accept that the American life that we, lives that we were living were the end all. There had to be something better. For those of you who don't understand what fire is, I thought I would share my understanding and my basic definition of it. So basically, individuals are focusing on accelerating their retirement and hitting their retire their projected retirement number years before they're 65. So for example, if you are looking at hopefully retiring at 37, the idea is that you sit down, you calculate what you would need to withdraw from your your investments annually, what you need to live on each year, and then times that amount by 25. That's the, the way people figure it out. And then that is how you figure out your overall retirement number. So again, how much you need each year, 4% withdrawal rate, 25 times your annual expenses, 
that's it. Like that's what people are looking at. And typically you're hearing about these individuals who are 27 and they're like, I was 27 when I retired after eating ramen noodles for seven years. And that's great and all, but there's a lot of people who ideas like this didn't even cross their paths until they were 37 or 32 or 47. And so for me, I find that fire, as wonderful as it is, it really depends on a lot of things. By the way, there are a number of variations that people can work towards fat, fire, lean, fire, barista, fire, coast, fire, like all kinds of fire. But for my purposes, I'm going to only talk about in this episode, slow fire versus fire as just a general fire. I feel like singing that song, come on, baby, let my fire, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to hold back. I'm going to roll back. So fire has long been a movement, quite honestly, populated by white tech bros, engineers, and married couples who are really able to work together to reach their accelerated targeted retirement. It makes sense, right? Engineers, regardless of color, that totally makes sense. Just the way they think about things and what they earn. Couples. If you are in alignment financially as a couple, it is much easier to work towards fire as a couple with two incomes ideally coming in than it is if you're a single man or woman trying to do the same thing. If you're a tech bro, I don't even need to say more. Tech bros, are, I know a lot of people who've made money in tech and the kind of money you can make in tech is unreal. So it doesn't, it's not surprising that these people who had access to these industries or to these opportunities leverage them. It makes sense, but not everyone has this opportunity. And even though there is a movement to really highlight and share the stories of POC fire folks, of which even my story is occasionally shared, I am very clear that I am slow fire. I'm nowhere near millions of dollars of retirement, like none of that. Why? Because I had to pay off debt. I had all these other things going on financially. And so I think that it's really disingenuous to ignore a number of facts that keep people from even believing that fire is possible for them. Facts like the wage gap for women in general, for black women, for Hispanic women versus white men. For every dollar that a white man makes, a Latina makes 55 cents to that dollar. That affects her ability to work towards FIRE. Student loan debt. Right now, the conversation that we're hearing is about student loan debt forgiveness and how actually this is a racial equality conversation just as much as a financial policy conversation because so many women, in particular Black women, will be affected by that policy. And so I'm really looking at that policy in particular, because so many people will have a significant burden lifted off their shoulders if some kind of variation of it passes, which I do think it will. Familial financial obligations. These groups of people have people that they're helping. It just is the case that large numbers of women of color are supporting or helping or giving their extra money to other people who need help. And I know for sure Right now, during COVID, that number has gone way up, for sure. Lack of resources for families. Like on a federal level, it is difficult to access resources in order to help you. And I blame that, honestly, Reagan through freaking Clinton. 
those years in particular where people were really penalized for being poor or just for needing help or just whatever it is, they were just penalized. A lot of the systems that other countries have in place, America does not because people are so ridiculous. They've got this weird bootstrap analogy go floating through their head and it's bullshit. Healthcare. Don't get me started because that could be a whole year's worth of content, but obviously healthcare is expensive. Healthcare, homeownership, the rates have declined for black people. They've been declining steadily for years. I think we're at, I want to say 45% in terms of homeownership rates. And that's a huge deal because the equity that people get from their homes is significant. The amount of equity I have in my awkward little tiny place is shocking, shocking. And that money can do a lot of things for me. I've seen friends, white friends, who've been gifted money from their relatives and no, no shade, like that's what happened. And then they bought a home and then they sold the home and they had hundreds of thousands of dollars of equity if the home was purchased in places like Denver, the West, that kind of thing. My point is these different parts of policy and finances and and access and equity affect people's ability to even begin to dream that they could do fire. And I'm really sick of people not talking about that. And then finally, the list goes on. Like there's so many things. For me, I think that slow fire in particular allows people to build equity into the lives that they are seeking, but building the equity now. And for most people, that looks like time freedom some level of professional autonomy and things happening, like having it established now rather than later. So I don't wanna wait until I'm 57 in order to do these things. I'm not saying 57 is old or young or whatever, but damn, why would I, like if I could do that next year versus 57, what, what's more appealing, right? And honestly, I've lived abroad. I've lived in more than one place abroad. And living in France in particular really left an impression on me. I have a lot of friends who have known my entire adult life who live in Europe and other countries. And it is shocking to me how they just have a basic standard of living in all these countries. It's just a basic, just a basic quality of life that they believe their citizens are entitled to. And to me, I believe that fire is popular in America because honestly, we have created a system in the United States that's not sustainable for most people. We aren't given the time that we need to manage the things that come up during our lives. We aren't guaranteed time off. We don't have this really basic standard of humane living in this country. We don't have paid parental leave. We work significantly more than people in other countries and there's nothing wrong with working, but why am I working like that if I don't get anything out of it like, other than cash? Okay, that's great. I can get cash from a lot of places, right? We have an at-will employment scenario. It's interesting because while I don't agree with France's system, you are basically, once you're hired, there are systems in place to protect you when they're, we're gonna let you go. There's a whole system to do that. Now, I think their system's a little extreme, but I don't think it's, it's unreasonable to be like, hey guys, instead of walking in today and firing you and having you walked out, escorted out with a box and your plant, we're gonna actually let you know about three weeks before 
<laughs> so that we can, you know, begin the process. France does it. It's a whole nother level. I think it's like three months or some craziness. But my point is, I don't agree with how at will works unless you've stolen from the company or did industrial espionage. That's not okay. And then finally, most fire people, I think, just want flexibility. Literally, they just want a flexible life. They want to be able to pick up their medication because they need to pick up their diabetes medication. They want to take their parents on errands because parents need help with errands sometimes just to spend time with their kids because they could do the errands themselves, but they just want to spend time with their kids. They want time to go to a fitness class and work out because they're getting fat. I might be projecting on that last one. They might want to um, go on a vacation and not have to jump through 800 million hoops just to do that. That's reasonable. Fire inherently penalizes people, the people who honestly, in my view, would benefit the most from fire. People with lower incomes, individuals who are older than 27 to 32 years old, the magical ages apparently of early retirement, people who are depending on work for health insurance, people who get other basic benefits through work. Fire penalizes all those people. So if you're making $50,000 a year, fire, how it's set up, you're penalized. It's inherently 10 times more difficult. When I consciously uncoupled from this system of work, I had no idea, to be honest, that I was pursuing basically a variation of fire. I just wanted flexibility, the possibility of pursuing some some of my professional interests and in developing my personal skills professionally. I didn't want to jump through hoops to take care of myself, that whole self-care thing, and be available to my friends and family. Everything just felt like a battle. And since living in America as a person of color often can feel like a battle, I was just done with that. And I live in a state that's pretty chill. Half these people are stoned. So when I say that I'm tired. Imagine when, you live, when you're living somewhere else and people are like really intense. So I was just over it. Slow fire as I define it is the following. Taking deliberate action to design your ideal lifestyle given your current financial state. Seeking out work that allows you to set professional and personal boundaries despite needing to work. Working certain shifts or working in specific industries that allow you to work from home or even have a flexible schedule or a hybrid of the two. Slow fire means that you haven't hit your actual retirement number. In fact, you may not even be close to it, but it's an acknowledgement that it's possible to potentially enjoy working while at the same time maintaining one's mental and physical health and well-being. Slow fire is basically how people live to a certain degree and other Western countries like France, which has a very large black population, by the way. Slow fire is basically how people live in the majority of other Western countries, a lot of Asian countries, South America to some degree, depending on how their systems are set up. By this, what I mean is in most of these countries, citizens basically have a certain basic set of rights that their country has set up that their employers have to respect. I think that respect is key there. It, it just feels like there's a, a lack of respect for Americans by the federal government, by employers, by other Americans. And I literally, I don't understand it. So I thought I would share how to slow fire and how to kind of begin the process and just think about it 
especially as um, you think about it in terms of equity for your soul. <laughs> Look at your expenses and income. What are your debts? What are the minimum payments that you have to make? Pay off your debt. So again, during slow fire, you're still working. So you're gonna steadily just pay off anything that you owe. And then as you pay off your debts, you increase your investing rates, savings, that kind of thing. When looking to apply for a new job, are you going to be audacious and ask for significantly more? Or are you gonna apply for jobs that start at a significantly higher wage? even when it feels like you may not be qualified. I've watched a lot of unqualified people run very large businesses and countries, and I'm gonna tell you, be audacious. Just apply for the thing, okay? Because ultimately you are gonna to have to earn more. And that's the other thing that no one talks about. Candidly, you will have to earn more. You will have to earn more and owe less. That's just, that just is what it is with fire. There are a lot of, really unqualified people getting paid good money for the crap work that they're doing, you will do great work and are worth every dime. So make it a goal to increase your earnings. Review your insurance policies. What coverage do you really need and what are you missing? Health insurance. This is actually the most challenging insurance if you're living in the United States. You may want to find a job that offers health insurance to employees who work minimum number of hours. You may have a lot of feelings about Starbucks, but Starbucks does make eligible health insurance to baristas who work a certain minimum number of hours each week. And that's a big deal. That's a really big deal. When you are looking at your insurance, look at your dental insurance. I cannot wait, to be honest, to get my teeth cleaned next month. My teeth are a mess. Oh my God. Car insurance, home insurance, rental insurance. The insurance part of your, your budget, you need to go through that over and over again because you may be underinsured for the life that you're trying to protect. Reimagine your lifestyle. I do all the same things that I do did before when I was working full-time and commuting and doing all the things to stress the hell out, I just do them completely differently. I'm not a natural penny pincher, by the way. I still eat expensive avocado toast. I don't make decisions like, should I, should I or shouldn't I tip when I go out to eat? The answer is yes, you tip when you go out to eat because if you couldn't afford to go out to eat, you shouldn't go out to eat. If you're making those kinds of, decision, of decisions in order to fire, you need to really have a moment with yourself to really think about is this, does this make sense? Don't, don't let me go there. Um, have a significant savings. You will define what significant is. Remember, you're still actively working as you're pursuing your goals. So it may be that as you change everything, you, you're like, well, I saved like $15,000 and that's amazing. Like that's a, a huge amount of money. Other people might be like, well, I saved $75,000 and that's not enough. This is a very individual determination. For me though, at the heart of it, Slow Fire is a social equity movement because it's inherently more accessible to a much larger number of people than regular fire. It's just common sense, right? Redefining what it means to live a socially just and equitable life. That is what Slow Fire allows people to do. I don't need to hear about how I should be grateful that I live in America or I should be grateful for the life that we have. I'm not going to accept less than what is the best for myself or for people in my life. We all deserve more. And when people are like, you should be grateful. So you want me to just accept scraps when I've lived in other places and know that things could be better than what we have. And it's really amusing actually when people do that, because I can also tell that they haven't had the experiences that I have 
that I've had living abroad. Because if they did, they would actually know that other conservatives in these other countries live the base level that I'm wanting for everyone in the U.S., right? And that those conservatives, what we would consider conservatives there, are baffled by American conservatives' unwilling unwillingness to even say yes to the things that would better their own lives. They're baffled. How do I know? I have conservative friends who are in Europe and they don't get it. So I'm just saying we're inconsistent, okay? And race has a lot to do with it. All I want is a standard vacation time, family leave, affordable healthcare, and other things that just seem humane for the kind of work that I'm putting into my work. But I live in the U.S., so I'm looking at how I can create that equity in my life now, not later, not seven years from now. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm unwilling to do that. I don't want to spend the next seven years wishing that I change things now. So that is the show. Slow fire for me is definitely a way to create equity in a lot more people's lives and kick a lot of these um, beliefs about how we live here to the curb. I see a lot of people doing it now, especially because of COVID. COVID has reinforced my belief that I'm right. <laughs> it just has, because there are a lot of people right now that I've had conversations with who are like, we don't want our lives to be the same way when COVID's over. I've, I've had that conversation more than once where people are just, they're, they're like, we don't want to com commute like we were before. This isn't how we want to live. But I think it's really sad that it took a global pandemic to force us to sit down and really take a deep look at what we'd accepted for ourselves as normal. And I'm interested to hear what you guys think about this episode. Is Slow Fire a social equity movement at the heart of it? I'm convinced it is. I also am convinced that fire is not accessible to most people because if you tell me that in order for me to hit fire, I need $2 million in order to quit, most people, they can't even imagine that. They may not have $7,000 in their bank account. How, how the hell are they supposed to even imagine $2 million? Thank you for listening to the show. And I look forward to next week's episode. That will be, I think, the last episode in my Black History Month content. And I hope that you are having a warm and wonderful day.